0: Hi, I'm Steve Walsh. We're looking at a case that happened a little more than a year after the Vietnam War officially ended. Actually, most U.S. troops had pulled out in 1973, so this is really the last gasp of the Vietnam War era. This is post-Watergate. Jimmy Carter has just become president. A group of African-American Marines see the Ku Klux Klan operating openly on board Camp Pendleton in Southern California. They take matters into their own hands. They attack the wrong room exposed the clan doesn't shrink from the spotlight instead the clan actually feeds on the publicity this is free the pendleton 14 that's right, that's right. I'm watching a clip from the CBS News from December 6, 1976. The incident happened in mid-November. By December, the three major networks are in San Diego for the initial hearings in the case. Mayona Gibbs is representing Clarence Pendleton's Urban League. It's hard to tell where she is. I assume court-martials would be held on a Navy base. Certainly today, they wouldn't allow outside groups to set up shop and offer interviews to the press inside a base. She's telling CBS that this was not the only racial confrontation at Camp Pendleton, that there are more provocations that haven't come out so far. She makes it clear that the Urban League's focus is on the Marine Corps' attempt to cover up the presence of the Klan. No, but Gibbs really isn't the focus of this report. She's more like the rebuttal to the Klansmen who are absolutely blanketing the networks, while the African-American Marines are locked in the brig. By the time the networks arrive, David Duke is already there. Dressed in a suit and tie, Duke is small, he speaks in pleading tones. Originally a neo-Nazi, Duke founded the Knights of the Ku Klux Klan a few years earlier. The Pendleton Klansmen say they belong to his particular offshoot of the KKK. By 1976, Duke has already developed a knack for getting on TV. The main purpose that I'm here, and the Ku Klux Klan is here, is because the white servicemen uh, in the military are not given their rights. Casta the Klan, is a peaceful champion of whites. He calls the KKK the white version of the NAACP, advancing the white race. This is the KKK we're talking about, but his ability to attract media attention is surprisingly effective. He gets a full profile in the San Diego Union that goes through his philosophy of the new Ku Klux Klan. He condemns the commander at Pendleton for meeting with Jesse Jackson, but refusing to meet with him. Duke says the Klan is there to defend white Marines, a service that to this day has a higher percentage of whites and fewer African Americans than the other branches of the military. At this time, the Marines have only a small percentage of black officers. But Duke is adamant that, in 1976, whites are being victimized across the board, in the Marines and in society. They are being discriminated against in promotions. Uh, they are being discriminated against in just about every area that you can think of in the military. And, and, and if this discrimination even runs further than just rights, it runs into things like violence. Around this time, Ron Stallworth is becoming the first African-American police officer in Colorado Springs. David Duke is a total fan,
1: period.
0: In his autobiography, Black Klansman, Stallworth tells the story of when he went undercover to infiltrate the Klan in Colorado. The book also became a Spike Lee film. Stallworth's investigation started in 1978, not long after the Pendleton 14 case. In fact, he knew about the Pendleton case as a young police officer. Stallworth actually talked to Duke on the phone, often several times a week, pretending to be a white racist.
1: David Duke is very publicity conscious. David Duke was always thinking of uh, how this plays uh, in the media. It was always about the media image. That's why you never saw him in a public forum wearing a Klan robe. He was always in a suit and tie. That's why you never heard him use the term nigger in public He was always uh, very respectful in his uh, discussions about race. It was all about presenting that positive image to uh, reflect the new Klan
0: that he was trying to project. So let's try to untangle this. Because the African-American Marines got the wrong room, the Klansmen weren't actually directly involved in the incident. So on its face, it's hard to see the Klansmen as victims. If anything, they lucked out. What Duke and the other Marine Klansmen decide to do is seize on the Marine Corps' decision to transfer them out of Camp Pendleton to other Marine bases around the country. One of the Klan Marines, Corporal Daniel Bailey, did a round of national interviews. He told NBC News that the Klansmen were looking into possible legal action, that no charges were brought against them and they weren't doing anything illegal. He said the transfers were harassment and they hoped to change the laws in this country. After the interview, Bailey was arrested for disobeying an order to report to a new duty station. He was forcibly removed to a marine base in North Carolina. Bailey tells the New York Times that nowadays everybody is trying to force both sides to mix, but I don't think either side wants it. I think blacks want to be with blacks and whites want to be with whites. And it's not right what they're doing. The Marines are taking away from the white Marines and giving more to the blacks, to the point where it's reverse discrimination. Bailey also tells The Times that the Klansmen are armed and ready for a fight. Bailey and the other Klansmen actually do file a lawsuit saying the Corps' decision to move them was infringing on their First Amendment rights. A lawyer with the American Civil Liberties Union agreed to take their case. Their lawsuit sought $775,000 in damages. It named the Marine Corps, the Secretary of Defense, and the leadership at Pendleton. Mike Panzer was a young lawyer in San Diego. A few years earlier, Panzer won an award from the NAACP for successfully defending one of the African-American sailors charged with assault in 1972 on board the USS Kitty Hawk. Sometimes described as a mutiny, a fight broke out between blacks and whites on board the aircraft carrier, which lasted for hours. It's hard to determine what sparked the riot, but at least part of the underlying cause was a heavily segregated Navy where African Americans were often relegated to the least desirable jobs. Panzer remembers sitting down with a Klansman for the first time.
2: I'm Jewish. I told them out front I was Jewish. Asked them how they felt about that. Did they really want a Jewish lawyer who had been given an award by the NAACP, who believed strongly in those causes? I don't think any of them had ever met a Jewish person. I don't think one member of that group had ever met a Jewish person. They were, no one's born with hate in their heart, I'm convinced. Uh, You have to learn hate, you have to be conditioned to live a life where you're operating based on racism and hate for other people.
0: He argued that belonging to the Ku Klux Klan wasn't illegal in the Marine Corps in 1976.
2: They, They believed that they were being punished for their political beliefs Uh, they said they had always espoused non-violence that they just their politics were and they would describe a traditional alt-right racist kind of politics Uh, they felt that the white man wasn't being treated fairly Uh, just all the stuff you'd hear now
0: even today, the ACLU takes an almost absolutist view of defending free speech under the First Amendment. The Pendleton Klansmen would be the first of a string of controversial cases taken by the ACLU in the 1970s. By 1978, the ACLU would be defending a group of neo-Nazis in Illinois who wanted to hold a rally in Skokie, a Chicago suburb that, at the time, was home to numerous Holocaust survivors.
2: If you think... Uh absurd. Though it may sound that the white people are being treated unfairly in this country and you want to form a political group to defend those rights where you believe they're being infringed upon, you're free to do that.
0: Members of the ACLU were also offering their legal help to the African American Marines caught up in the case. Even so, members of the ACLU in L.A. and San Francisco publicly condemned the San Diego chapter's decision to defend the Klansmen. It split the ACLU. Before the case was over, at a forum in L.A., Panzer would debate one of the Pendleton 14 attorneys, David Weitzman. Weitzman was also on the national board of the ACLU.
1: Now, the command claims uh, and the ACLU supported them that the Klan had a perfect right to be on base, which may very well be true. I would not dispute that. On the other hand, the base allowed the Klan to do criminal acts, and that's not allowed. And the criminal acts were everything from brandishing and threatening uh, guns and uh, putting threatening uh, statements on the walls. And and, uh, there were constant fights, and uh, the Marines were threatened. And when they went off base, one of the problems when they went off base, whenever they went into uh, one of the few things at Oceanside, there was always fights uh, uh, stemming over just about anything. One of the Marines had his uh, tires slashed and uh, the brake lining of his car was cut. He had no way of knowing whether that was the Klan, but that was his guess. It was not, it was just basically there was a constant threat. They were afraid to walk by themselves anywhere on base. And and that type of situation, if the Marine Corps even thought about the rights of the Klan to be on the base, they certainly didn't think about the rights of the the black Marines to be free from threats and violence.
0: Okay, deep sigh. I feel like it's time to check in with my friend Ayanna, who's an author and radio producer in Chicago. I tell you what I was expecting when I came across references to all the networks reporting on this story and the big national newspapers coming into town. I thought they would have blown the lid off the Klan being in the Marine Corps. Instead, a lot of the publicity just shifted to David Duke.
3: I don't know. I mean, I'm totally not shocked by this. And maybe that's because I'm thinking about things that are happening in the more recent past where you have folks who are being given platforms to speak the same sort of hateful rhetoric. And we're talking about 2018. So maybe I'm just desensitized in general.
0: To me, I'm seeing a lot of parallels, and, and I. What depresses me, and and what kind of irritates me is nobody ever seems to ask, what is the Ku Klux Klan doing in the Marine Corps, you know, on Camp Pendleton? What? Why are the? Why are they even allowed here? What are you doing? How extensive is this? They never ask, or at least they never broadcast any of these very basic questions, like, what are these guys doing here in the first place? Why are they even allowed?
3: Yeah. I mean, maybe there's just the assumption of freedom of speech, but see the problem I mean my problem from my perspective is it feels as though there's a false equivalency set up like this is just another point of view, and in order for these news outlets to appear um, unbiased right like they're giving this um, they're giving this airtime when in fact it's Hate speech. And I don't know when that term hate speech came into vogue. I don't know if it was in vogue in the 1970s. I seriously doubt it. But a, I mean, the idea of it clearly has existed for centuries, right? Like, <laughs> it's not a new thing. Right. But there's a difference between, and that's the other thing. I, I will bring that up. David Duke is one of these classic examples of people who are spouting hate speech, but sound. Super reasonable. Like the tonality is very reasoned and educated, and maybe that's part of why it was. Like he wasn't always screaming with a vein popping out of his neck, calling people names. No, he was, you know, creating this idea that, um, like you said, that white people were people that were under attack, essentially. He, he knew how to play the media in. in clearly in the 70s and 80s, he clearly knew how to play the media.
0: And do you think we're any better at this now?
3: By we, you mean the media.
0: Oh, by we, the media? By we, American society?
3: I think not. I mean, even though we're making baby steps towards diversity in our newsrooms, sometimes in an effort to remain unbiased, sometimes we might be giving platforms to people who definitely are not unbiased and are, in fact, spouting hate speech. So I, I personally don't feel wonderful about that. I think that is something that a lot of newsrooms across the country are grappling with and have been grappling with.
0: Ricky McGilvery experienced racism growing up in Dallas, but he feels, as a young Marine in the 1970s, Pendleton felt worse. Certainly worse than what he was expecting.
4: From the time you went in, you understood there are certain clubs that you didn't go to on base because whites had it, because, you know, you don't want to go in there. And you might have a white friend, but you tell your white friend, I ain't going in there because, you know what, when them jokers start drinking... Everything cool while they're drinking. Uh, but, but when they get drunk, you're going to have to fight your way out that club because you're black. And look like, Steve <laughs> like the more they drink, the more blacker we got. So we will stay out those clubs.
0: Around this time, there were reports of cross burnings in the nearby town of Oceanside.
4: When you go on Oceanside, Oceanside, you knew there are certain communities you couldn't go to. There are certain, are those those kids who walked around and all their parents wasn't colonels and captains and, you know, upper echelon people. They were just, they, they were just racist. And we knew that, and you know what? It was okay for you to be racist because guess what? I'm black and proud, and we were saying it loud.
0: Before the incident exploded, the Marine Klansmen were meeting with other Klan groups in the area. Ted Metzger of nearby Fallbrook was one of the local Klansmen. He stood by David Duke at press conferences. Metzger is often described as an out-of-work TV repairman. He would later have a falling out with Duke, but after the publicity over the Pendleton case, Duke would make Metzger the Grand Dragon of the Klan in California. For a time, they toured the West together. Historically, California has been known as the birthplace of hippies and a hotbed of the anti-war movement. Larry Christian remembers San Diego was also the home of several groups on the far right.
2: Before the Pentagon 14 and kind of in the earlier 70s, there were some very scary paramilitary organizations. There was a group called the Secret Army Organization. And they were night riders. They would shoot up people. There was a, I knew some people who lived in a house on Market Street who in a duplex, and somebody threw a hand grenade into their living room. Over what? Well, because they were kind of, kind of left anti-war activists, and, that, and they were the enemy of the uh, secret army organization. San Diego used to be a lot uh, riskier place to be an activist than it, than it
0: is now. Marines sent the Marine Klansmen away from the cameras to bases around the country. The African-American Marines were locked up for months waiting for a court date, while their outside attorneys worked on ways to get them out of the brig. After over a month, Ricky McGilvery said the seriousness of the case was beginning to sink in, though they didn't really talk about the case to each other.
4: You had roots that had just came out, and we was busy looking at roots a lot of time. just just didn't talk about the courts and what was coming up and all that because it was just too much, man. You know, you, you're locked up and you don't know what's going to happen the next day or the next day. So, you know, we'd be at that nighttime looking at Roots and every now and then we have a conversation, but I don't remember the conversation. I really don't.
0: Roots is the ABC miniseries based on Alex Haley's book about his family's journey through slavery. It debuted in January 1977. All right, this is the last time I'm going to impersonate a network news anchor. This time it's John Chancellor from the NBC Nightly News from March 4th, 1977. It's from the end of the newscast. I've heard these things called kickers or a bright. It's a little something to cheer up the audience after you've been talking about rising oil prices. Finally, something that doesn't involve NBC, but we thought you might be interested. David Duke of Jefferson, Louisiana asked ABC to present the other side of Roots. Duke says the series doesn't tell the whole story. He is, incidentally, the Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. That's it for this week. Have a nice weekend, everybody. Okay, so cue the rim shot. So maybe the networks really aren't taking this seriously after all. Coming up on the next episode of Free the Pendleton 14, what was really going on at Camp Pendleton in the months before the attack? The court's marshal paint a picture of a Marine Corps in denial about the racial animosity on base.